This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm Zach Rizzuto. Faraz is not going to make it for today's show, so I'm going to be running this one solo. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today before we head into the fantasy football weekend. Week three already. It's hard to believe that we're already there. So we just got some action from last night. We're going to be talking about Thursday night football, recapping that. We're going to be going over wide receiver and tight end rankings and any other questions that might show up in the chat, you know, while you guys are here watching. So we're going to start at Thursday night football between last. It was last night's game between the Steelers and the Browns. Browns won that one 29-17 in fantasy football. You know, we really weren't expecting this one to be, you know, a big hitter, uh, a lot of fancy production in this one. Uh, the wind was blowing hard. We saw a couple missed extra points. But actually, a lot to talk about and a lot to dissect right here from this matchup already. We're just going to go right down the list through all the players that were involved in this game. So we're going to start with the Browns side, Jacoby Brissett. You know, he's kind of he's kind of looking like he might be worth a start in deeper two QB leagues. Or if you're you know banged up at the QB position, you might be able to stream him and use him as a way to weather the storm for any injuries that your quarterbacks might have. He was on target. He didn't look he didn't make any mistakes. He threw for 220 yards, two touchdowns, really serviceable numbers, things that we like to see moving forward. Um, Nick Chubb, he was great, you know, as usual. Fun watching him run. Uh, 23 carries, 113 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, it, it was it was a good performance. It wasn't as it wasn't the three touchdown performance that we saw last week, but it wasn't really what we what we anticipated seeing anything more than that. Um, Kareem Hunt. Didn't really rotate in too much. He did get a fair share of carries, but he didn't do very much with it. Average under four yards a carry. He did catch three balls for 14 yards, but he stayed out of the end zone. Um, it's looking like Nick Chubb is getting a better grip on this backfield than we may have originally anticipated. Kareem Hunt, you know, he can be a good asset for your team, but I'm not sure you want to start him every week after that performance. Uh, week one is looking more and more like a bit of an apparition uh, after his two touchdown performance. He's been quiet these past few weeks. Nick Chubb is the clear number one, the guy that they're going to hand the ball to first and foremost while they weather the storm, uh, while Deshaun Watson's out and Jacoby Brissett is quarterback. But Brissett, like I said, is showing that he's capable of producing for fantasy football, and he's not someone that you have to completely avoid. And I wouldn't be afraid to pick him up if he's sitting on your wire because he's been relatively safe option at quarterback. Um, Amari Cooper. You know, this guy, we, we probably grabbed this guy, Amari Cooper, uh, really late in a lot of drafts. Um, if you if you didn't grab him because you're worried about Jacoby Brissett, you know, it makes sense. You can't really get dinged for that. But he's produced. You know, he's put up numbers. He's been targeted. He's been one of Jacoby Brissett's favorite targets. He had 11 targets last night, which is humongous. Reeled in seven of them for over 100 yards again. 
and another touchdown. We love to see that from Amari, from Amari Cooper. It, and it wasn't, you know, the box score doesn't demonstrate the usage enough. There's actually a play last night where he got a deep pass from Jacoby Brissett, and he was actually ruled out of bounds, and they called an illegal touching penalty on him. So Amari Cooper could definitely produce more than, you know, even that he did last night. The numbers don't do it justice. He's one of Jacoby Brissett's favorite targets, and he's showing why he was such a big name and such a big ad for the Browns this offseason. Um, I like Amari Cooper moving forward. You know, last last week I was wondering if he'd be able to keep up the production, especially against a pretty good Steelers defense on a night where the wind was blowing. But, um, you know, he kind of laid to rest any worries that we might have had. Um, I had him as a wide receiver three heading into the week. I might move him up as a wide receiver two, especially next week. He has a pretty good matchup. Uh, I, th- I think Amari Cooper, you can actually slot him in pre- pretty pretty confidently, definitely as a flex. If you have three wide receiver spots, he's a great wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. Um, I'm not sure he has a wide receiver one upside that we might be looking for, but I think that, you know, things are looking good. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones only had one target. Not a big fan of him. He had, you know, people had a lot of high hopes because uh, the receiver room in Cleveland is a little barren behind Amari Cooper, but it doesn't seem like anyone's really separating themselves. David Bell, same thing. The rookie that they drafted this this year. One catch on one target, just six yards. Nothing much to see there. It, it's, it's been a tough ride for any other Browns receivers. The, uh, the other revelation last night, huge revelation, and that me and Faraz, if you've been listening to the podcast recently, have really been banging away at, is David Njoku. He's been on the field. He's been getting snaps. He's been running routes. His usage hasn't exactly been there, but this week it finally happened. He got 10 targets, caught nine of them, 89 yards and a touchdown. Nine catches was a career high for David Njoku. And that's just a taste of what he might be able to be, you know, this season as as the season moves forward. This guy, he's obviously a great talent, very athletic. Uh, he just hasn't seen the targets, and he got him last night. Moving forward, I'd see him as a, a, a pretty safe, you know, tight end one, low-end tight end one for now, unless this type of production continues. But definitely inspiring compared to what we had seen the previous few weeks from him. And jumping over the other side of the ball, Mitch Trubisky, you know, any fantasy production that he had last night was really salvaged by the rushing touchdown that he had. Otherwise, he was average, mediocre at best. Um, His production isn't something that you want to rely on. I wouldn't want to have him unless you're in some deep trouble at the quarterback position. Uh, He is outside my top 24 quarterbacks. And the truth of the Steelers offense is that it's just not very good. Um, we saw that Najee Harris can't even overcome it. Uh, he gets the volume, but he's just not that efficient. Deontay Johnson, you could say somewhat overcame it because he's just a PPR monster. <laughs> so that, that could work, but the Steelers offense is not going to be very fantasy conducive. They're not going to be scoring a lot of touchdowns. We saw that last night. Um, and moving forward, I mean, even if Kenny Pickett would come in at some point during the season, I don't see the offense being good enough to support consistent fantasy production from any of the players at any position week to week. I mean, you might have a couple of straggler performances like Deontay Johnson. He had a, he had a good week this week. Uh, outside of that, I, I wouldn't really trust anybody. Um, Najee Harris, like I said, I, I kind of touched on him a little bit, but he had the volume 15 carries three, three targets, three receptions. He caught all three of his targets. That's 18 opportunities. He did score a touchdown, but we're seeing the same problems come up with him the inefficiency that we talk about with Najee Harris. He only scored 13 PPR points. He did lose a fumble. Just not looking 
like the Najee Harris that we saw last year and not looking like the guy that we drafted high, maybe second round, late third, late second round, early third, potentially this season. He's not looking like the guy that we drafted to be the engine of our offense. And that's kind of been the way it is. It's been with a lot of running backs, but Najee Harris does not look like he is in line for a bunch of huge fantasy days like he was last season. His workload, he was kind of conceding a little work. It was light work that he was conceding to Jalen Warren, but Warren did make a lot of his opportunities that he got. Four carries, 30 yards. He did catch a pass for only three yards. Um, it could be a lingering injury. You know, we, we know Najee Harris was coming off that foot injury, and he had been nursing it, and he, was, he could have been limited by it this week, and it was a quick turnaround from Sunday. But um, he's looking more and more like a mid-to-low-end RB2 as things stand right now, on this offense at least. I, I think his talent is all right. I think he's a good runner. I don't think that this offense is going to allow him to maximize his fantasy potential. So I think that moving forward, you can slot him in as an RB2. But as an RB1, I'm not sure I'd be too happy to have him as my RB1. Uh, there are a lot of other running backs that have much higher upside that were being drafted around him, and he just hasn't returned on investment thus far. That's not to say things can't change with the Steelers offense, but I mean, they have the talent. You know, we just saw George Pickens make that crazy catch, the one-hander that rivaled OBJ. But um, I, I don't see very many better days for the Steelers offense in the future, especially with Najee Harris. The touchdown ceiling is just relatively low. We're not really going to see much production out of any of these guys. Deontay Johnson, like I said, still didn't get in the end zone. I actually predicted for him to get in the end zone on yesterday's podcast. He did not. He still reeled in eight catches, 84 yards. Depth of target was good. You know, he was getting pretty much all the looks from Mitch Trubisky. They clearly have a connection, even though, you know, the offense is not uh, where it should be. Deontay Johnson, you can slot him in nicely as a wide receiver, too, every week. High-end wide receiver, too. If he gets in that end zone, you know, we'd be having a much different conversation. He could be edging on borderline or wide receiver one territory, but ultimately it is the offense that's holding them back. Chase Claypool. He had a carry. He had three catches on six targets, 35 yards. He's been pretty much a non-factor in fantasy, and I expect that to continue. George Pickens, unfortunately, I think is in the same situation. Very similar stat line, three catches for 39 yards. Not much going on in the Steelers' passing game outside Deontay Johnson, and that's kind of what I expected. So you don't really want to have any of these guys starting. I mean, you can have fringe flex value with Chase Claypool in a pinch, but um, I, I, I wouldn't trust any of the guys besides Deontay Johnson in my lineup. I, I wouldn't be starting them over anybody else. Pat Fryermuth, you know, really disappointing night. You know, we thought that he was going to have a higher, a high target share. He was showing promise the first two weeks it was, and um, it, it kind of fizzled out last night. He didn't get a target until the fourth quarter. Uh, he finished actually with six points. He had 41 yards. So when he did get the ball, he did produce. But the problem was they didn't get him the ball at all throughout the entire game. So <laughs> that's not fantasy conducive. We don't want to see that. Moving forward, I still have him as a low tight end one. I'm not worried about one bad week like this. It was a weird game. Um, I don't think anybody was expecting, even though it was a low um, scoring game relatively, I don't think anybody was expecting this kind of scoring between them. Um, I think Pat Frymuth should have got in on the offense earlier in the fourth quarter, but you know we can complain about what players should have got in, what should what players shouldn't have got in all night. It's not going to make a difference. That's just the way it goes. Pat Frymuth, he's a, he's a low end tight end one going forward. Don't let one bad week turn you away. I don't think there's anything to worry about there. 
All right, so that about wraps it up for our Thursday night football recap. We're going to be moving into the wide receiver tight end rankings, and we're going to see which guys you should be adding to your lineup, which guys you should be pulling out of your lineup, which guys you might be uh, tied up on. You're not sure who you want to start between two players. We'll get you those answers now. Um, and remember that these rankings are also available on the Patreon. If you if you subscribe to the Patreon, you'll get full rankings with blurbs on all the fantasy relevant players. Uh, the link is in the bio for this video. We should be good to go. Um, if you aren't on that already, you, you should sign up. You know, you get plenty of good information from Faraz, from me, and we can get you to win. If you want to win your league and you want to win each week, you know, those rankings will definitely help you to do that. So here we have our wide receiver ranking starting with number one, Cooper Cup. Number two is Jeff, Justin Jefferson. And these two are really a toss up because they both have pretty good matchups. You know, Cooper Cup, he is he's just Cooper Cup and Justin Jefferson's Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson's coming off of that poor week last week against the Eagles. But um, he was matched up with Darius Slay. He has a much more winnable matchup. And in a game that has a super high total, um, high uh, what's it called point total from Vegas. I think the line's over. I think it's 53 between the Vikings and the Lions. I think that Justin Jefferson is going to have a huge week. He should have a much better week without Monday Night Football, Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball. This is now 1 p.m. slate, Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball. And we saw what happened last time. Justin Jefferson was not with what's called Monday Night Football, Kirk Cousins. He had a monster game, 180-some yards and two touchdowns. No reason not to expect him to get back to that, especially against the Lions. They've been in two high-scoring games this season, and I expect that to continue this week. Cooper Cup, you know, Matthew Stafford loves throwing him the ball. As long as Matthew Stafford is throwing the ball, Cooper Cup is going to get his fair share of targets. Uh, there's no reason to worry about him. He's the number one. Devontae Adams had a rough, rough week last week. He only saw it was he only he saw seven targets. It wasn't that bad from a target standpoint, but the quality of those targets quality of those targets was not very good. He only reeled in two, but he did save his fantasy day. If you want to consider a nine-point performance saving the fantasy day. He did save his fantasy day by reeling in a touchdown right at the goal line from Derek Carr. And that was really all the offense that the Raiders could muster. Uh, Darren Waller, he did catch a touchdown. But um, it, it just it was just an off day. It was just a bad day for Devontae Adams. He has a much better matchup this week against Tennessee, who just got murdered. <laughs> just got murdered on Monday Night Football. Uh, allowed Stephon Diggs to cook him three touchdowns. Um, there's no reason to think Devontae Adams won't do something similar and along those lines. You can plug Devontae Adams in as your wide receiver one, elite wide receiver one this week. The matchup is there. He's good to go. Stefan Diggs, we just mentioned him about cooking the Titans. He should have a, a good week. There's no reason to think that he can't um, produce. There's a reason he's one of the best receivers in the league. Stefan Diggs, he's, he is playing against the Dolphins. It's a division game. It might be a little bit tougher. They're playing down in Miami. But he's there's no reason to worry about him from a fantasy perspective. Josh Allen clearly loves throwing him the football. Gabe Davis does return. He might take a little bit of that workload away. It might not be as focused and as centralized on him. Josh Allen's targets might not be as centralized on Stefan Diggs with Gabe Davis coming back. But there's no reason to think that uh, Diggs won't get his and won't get his fair share of targets to produce this week. AJ Brown against uh, the Washington Commanders. He's ranked at number five, and some people might think might think that's a little high, but 
you know, Washington, they, they got a lot of receivers and they, their defense is really, it, it's not fantastic. Um, just case in point, you know, the Lions tore them up last, last week. And um, before that, the Jaguars were actually doing some work on him too. So this is a not very good defense that AJ Brown's going to be going against. He has shown that he can produce even without getting into the end zone. He hasn't scored a touchdown yet. I'd like him to get in the end zone in this game. This kind of harken back to my prediction on Deontay Johnson. I said the same thing about him. He didn't get in the end zone, so let's hope that this changes. A.J. Brown will get into the end zone this week. That's my prediction against the Commanders. And I think he's in line for a huge day, and that's why I have him ranked as number five. Uh, and just, just a uh, disclaimer as we're going through these. These rankings are mine. Uh, I did come up with these. I produced these. Faraz did not get a chance to look at these. Didn't have a chance to get input on these. Um, so any questions you have for these, you come to me. Uh, you don't have to worry about grilling Faraz about why his ranking, why these rankings were so bad or anything like that. <laughs> you don't have to throw him under the bus. These are my rankings. Uh, you can you can talk to me uh, about those anytime. I'm my upper hand fantasies, upper hand Zach account on Instagram. You can reach out to me anytime. I'll answer your questions, talk about rankings, anything you need, that kind of thing. Uh, moving on, Amonra St. Brown, we have him ranked at six. And this might be a lot of high for really high for a lot of people. But the matchup, like I said, against Minnesota, the implied points are crazy in this matchup. It's a high score. It's going to be a high scoring game. And Amonra St. Brown has proven through these, through these first two weeks that the end of the last season was not a joke. This guy is he's a wide receiver one, a bonafide wide receiver one right now. And as long as the Lions offense is tearing it up like they've been the past few weeks, there's no reason to think that he's not going to be producing. He's on a streak of games with eight plus catches. It has reached eight games, I believe. There's no reason to think that can't get to nine. And as long as he's we're keeping track of that streak, he's going to be producing for fantasy football. So Amon St. Brown, you know, he's really the only target there in, in Detroit. You know, people might say, oh, TJ Hawkinson, you know, he's there. He hasn't shown up. And Jared Goff clearly keys in on Amonra St. Brown. They actually got Amonra St. Brown involved in the run game, too. He took his one touch last week for a 48-yard gain. So Amonra St. Brown showing that he can be used in a lot of different ways, not just in the pass game, but also the run game. All good news for Amonra St. Brown and Amonra St. Brown owners. I have him ranked as the wide receiver six this week. And immediately following him at number seven is Jamar Chase. You got to think this Bengals offense is going to come back and show what they were last season at some point this season. It's been two bad games in a row against the Steelers and the Cowboys, respectively. They're 0-2. You know, morale is low, but there's no reason to think that the Bengals can't get back online, can't right the ship against a New York Jets team that's been pretty rough against um, any good offense. They've allowed a lot of offense. They've allowed a lot of points. Jamar Chase should be able to get back on track. He didn't see very many targets last week against uh, the Cowboys because, you know, Joe Burrow was just under duress all day. He was getting the ball out quick and going to his first read. Um, the, it, the Bengals didn't have any favors. We talked about this on the other episode. They didn't have any favors done to them when the schedule makers decided to put them against TJ Watt in week one and Micah Parsons in week two. Um, it didn't give the offensive line time to gel. There's no premier pass rusher on the Jets, and I think that's a good thing. The Bengals offensive line will start to gel this week. It'll be a lot better for the offense overall, Joe Burrow. And that'll allow the receivers just a little bit more time to get open. There's no premier pass rusher. The Jets are not a very good team. They have Joe Flacco. They can be in a shootout, and that's exactly what you want as fantasy managers. Jamar Chase, have him ranked at seven. I think that makes sense. Tyreek Hill coming off the big week. He is ranked at eight. 
He's my wide receiver eight this week. Uh, they are playing against a tough Bills defense, but this is also in Miami, and Miami's at home. And Tua doesn't look like the people that that the quarterback that people were questioning all last all of this offseason and last season. He's throwing much more confident, much better, and making use, getting the ball, making use of his weapons, getting the ball in the hands of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Love to see Tyreek Hill this week uh, put in some work. He's going to. Uh, the Bills' defense is tough, uh, so he's not going to have the upside that he might have against other teams. But Tyreek Hill, he's a safe bet. There's no reason not having him there. Um, there are plenty of other options, but um, – I think he's kind of the edge of the elite wide receiver territory for me for fantasy football this week. We got Debo Samuel at nine, and this might surprise a lot of people too because he he's kind of been quiet. You know, Trey Lance was that quarterback. He got injured, and we saw a little bit of Jimmy G uh, and Debo last week, and he was still quiet. But getting back to Jimmy G, I think, will work wonders for Debo. Debo Samuel was excellent last season, as we know, being used in both the run and the pass game. Um, there's not going to be as many design runs at all with Jimmy G now at quarterback. Trey Lance, you know, he had one of the highest design run rates in the NFL prior to his injury. And now with Jimmy G under center, it's going to be going back to what they know best. And that's going to be getting the ball in the hands of Debo, getting the ball in the hands of Brandon Ayuk. And if George Kittle comes back, Debo Samuel is in line for some serious work again um, that he might not have had necessarily with Trey Lance at quarterback. So, Keep an eye on Debo Samuel. I haven't ranked at nine. I think that he has a lot of upside this week, especially in a matchup where he's playing against a, a dinged up and a not really good so far, at least compared to what we've expected, Broncos team. Because you know, the Broncos, they have a good defense, but they haven't had they haven't matched with a team very well on offense. And I think that this could be a higher scoring game. Uh, rounding out the top 10, we have T Higgins. You know, he came back last week. He did score a touchdown against Dallas and he might not have been at full strength last week, but he should be this week. If there were any lingering effects again, they're playing the jets. You know, I like Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense to get back on track. Uh, T Higgins, he should be a top 10 receiver this week, along with Jamar chase, as long as everything goes according to plan, but we'll see, you know, they have to take, they have to take care of things and make sure that they get back on track the way they're supposed to as the Bengals. So um, if we see the Bengals of old, these rankings, Jamar Chase at seven, T Higgins at 10. Uh, I think they make a lot of sense. So we switch to our next set. We move further into the rankings, starting with 11. We have Michael Pittman. And, you know, I, I was tempted to put him a lot higher because he had a humongous game in week one, but then he was injured and we saw how the Colts offense looked without him. They put up zero points on the Jaguars. So he's clearly important to this offense and they're definitely going to get back to using him as soon as they can. Uh, Michael Pittman, definitely someone that I want to start this week, regardless of whether he might be, oh, he's coming off the injury. No, don't worry about that. He'll be fine. He'll get his targets. Matt Ryan will be happy to have him back to feed targets to. As long as he gets the targets, he'll produce. He'll be fine. I don't like him as much as other guys. If we go back to the other one, to the earlier rankings, I don't like him as much as the other guys because the offense is just primed. It's 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 designed to rely on Jonathan Taylor, the Colts offense is. So it's not necessarily going to be Michael Pittman making every single play for the Colts like it would be, you know, Debo Samuel, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chase, these guys up here. So Mike, Michael Pittman, you know, I think that having him ranked at 11 also bakes in that injury risk. You know, he might not be 100% as soon as he steps on the field. 
But I, I do like Michael Pittman in lineups this week. He should finish as a, as a wide receiver one. And then our last wide receiver one for the week that I'm projecting is Mike Williams. We had him ranked a little bit conservatively last week. I think we had him at wide receiver 18 heading into that Chiefs matchup, and he showed us that he can produce even as a wide receiver one. He doesn't need the attention taken away from him by Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen, by the way, we're still not sure if he's going to be playing this week. These rankings are done as if Keenan Allen is not going to play. You could expect Keenan Allen to slide in right around where Mike Williams is ranked right now. He's a Keenan Allen's a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two if he does play. Uh, and Mike Williams would be then a low end wide receiver two with wide receiver high end wide receiver two upside this week if Keenan Allen would play. But as things stand right now with Mike Williams being the wide receiver one, um, he, he is a wide receiver one for this week. There's no reason to think that he won't. Justin Herbert, as long as he plays. There's also questions about Justin Herbert. If he plays, we, we, um, there's no reason to worry about Mike Williams. We saw what he did last week. And he actually didn't get very many catches. After the start, after the first half last week, Mike Williams got pretty much all of his production in the first half, and then they stopped looking his way. He didn't catch many balls. So if he could get a full game's worth of production, you know, I like Mike Williams for this week. Marquise Brown at 13. You know, the the, the Cardinals, they, they're such a confusing team because they they didn't play well until the end of the game, and then they – in last week, and then the game before that, it was just garbage time points. So we're not really sure what to expect with this Cardinals team. But they're playing the Rams now. They're playing at home. Marquise Brown. Um, I think the the Bengals, the Cardinals offense should get right this week and actually look like the Cardinals that we've come to know and love for fantasy football. Marquise Brown is still the number one target and one of the only targets there. Um, Greg Dorch is there if you want to consider him a big a big target hog or something like that. Uh, you don't have to worry about him too much taken from Marquise Brown. We haven't seen Marquise Brown hit his ceiling yet. Um, it's taken a little time. And, you know, it could be attributed to the fact that the Marquise Brown and Kyler Murray are playing together for the first time in a while. It's it's going to take a little time for that to gel and start to work together. But uh, Marquise Brown, he should be a, a good a good receiver. High and wide receiver, too, this week. His upside is there. Christian Kirk at 14. I don't think a lot of people are giving Christian Kirk enough credit for what he's doing on the Jags offense. And it's not that the Jags offense is bad and he's just pulling all the weight for the Jags offense and that's it. But a lot of people gave him crap this offseason for the huge contract that he signed despite the not-so-awesome production uh, while he was in Arizona. But he's kind of come out and put those haters uh, in their place. You know, he's kind of silenced them, shushed them up. Uh, He has two touchdowns through two weeks and he's had – two very good performances as a wide receiver one for the Jaguars. And there's no reason not to expect that to continue this week, especially with the Jaguars playing um, who the Jaguars play. They play the Chargers. Yeah. So this could be a high scoring game. The Chargers were in a couple of shootouts. Um, I, I do like the Chargers to win this game, but there's no reason to think that the Chargers would get ahead that Christian Kirk wouldn't get his targets and he could work in garbage time. And it's shown too, that he works in a positive game script and a neutral game script. They kept throwing him the ball last week, even though they were beaten up on the Colts, and he he produced really well. So Christian Kirk, I have him as a high-end wide receiver too, and he does have wide receiver one upside, I think, especially against the Jaguars, not against the Jaguars, against the Chargers, if they would go down. Cortland Sutton at 15. It's been it's been an up-and-down year, you know, so far, just two games, but we saw a very good performance last week and a not-so-good performance the first week. But the problem is it's just you're waiting for this Broncos offense to 
to get going the way that we expected it to with Russell Wilson at the helm. Cortland Sutton, he got the targets last week. He did produce, but he still hasn't gotten in the end zone. And it's just overall, Russell Wilson hasn't been the Russell Wilson that people expected him to be. And that's what's kind of dragging Cortland Sutton down right now and holding him out of the top 12. Um, but, uh, you know, at one of these weeks, it's got to click. And that's what I keep telling myself. But um, it, it'll click. You don't have to worry about Cortland Sutton. Even if he doesn't produce uh, the way that we thought he was going to, he's still going to be a solid wide receiver, too, for your team. I have him ranked a little bit higher because Jerry Judy may not play this week. We're still waiting to see how that unfolds. And if Jerry Judy doesn't play, Cortland Sutton should have the targets uh, all funneled to him. Jalen Waddle, 16. You know, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle had a monster week last week. But I think that was an aberration, especially now they're playing against the Bills defense. You wouldn't really expect these guys to have humongous weeks, especially not like last week. Um, Tyreek Hill, I think, is going to be the main target funnel this week. Uh, the, the Dolphins are probably going to be relying on big plays to get to stay in the game. Um, not that Jalen Waddle isn't a deep threat, but Jalen Waddle's been getting a lot more work target-wise. Tyreek Hill is going to be going over the top. I, I, I think Jalen Waddle's due for it's a, it's going to be an all right week, but it's not going to be fantastic. Seventeen, Michael Thomas. You know, I, I like Michael Thomas. I, I don't think that Michael Thomas is, you know, uh, he's last week was like indicate indicative of the way he's going to play the rest of the season. It was a tough week for the Saints overall against the Bucks. You know, a, a lot of targets went out from Jameis Winston, but not a lot of catches, not a lot of production, true production from the Saints wide receivers last week. I think that. You look at Michael Thomas. He'll have a bounce back week this week. They're playing against a pretty bad Carolina team. Um, there's no reason to think that the Saints can't get right, bounce back from last week's performance. And I think Michael Thomas will be a big part of that. I have him ranked up high. He should get in the end zone. There's no reason to think that he won't produce. Deontay Johnson, I had an 18 last week. And I think that's the production that we kind of got. These rankings were put together before Thursday night football. I think that 18 was right about – I think it was pretty pretty accurate. Um, he, he didn't get in the end zone, but he did produce pretty well. He had mid wide receiver two numbers and that's where I had him ranked. Uh, that's what I expected going in a matchup just because the Steelers offense, it's just not going to be good enough to push him into wide receiver one territory at this point in time. If things change, if Mr. Trubisky really picks it up or maybe Kenny Pickett comes in and offers a spark, we could see this change. But I think for the rest of the season, I'm going to have Deontay Johnson ranked in this range, this 20 to 16 range. And we saw a lot of that last night. So. He didn't get in the end zone, but he caught a lot of balls. We talked about him already. 19, I have C.D. Lamb. You know, you, you think that maybe you could put C.D. Lamb lower because the Cowboys offense just does not look the same as it did last season. And we know that with Cooper Rush, a quarterback, we saw Cooper Rush key in on Noah Brown over C.D. Lamb on multiple, multiple occasions against the Bengals. But C.D. Lamb still has the upside. You know, he's a target funnel. He gets a lot of targets, and there's no reason to think that one of these weeks he's not going to break out. This is a divisional game. It should be a close game. Seed Lamb should be involved throughout. I don't see Dallas getting down and, you know, in any positive or negative game script. Um, I think it'll be neutral throughout. But CD Lamb, we know what he can be. Uh, we've been calling for the breakout, and it's been on hold for the past few weeks with Dak Prescott out. But Cooper Rush has kind of shown us that, you know, maybe we don't have to work. We, maybe we're not 
benching CD Lamb. Maybe we're not putting CD Lamb completely on the back burner while Dak is out. You know, CD Lamb could still be relevant while Cooper Rush is quarterback. And if CD Lamb could get in the end zone at some point, you know, there's no telling. He could easily have a, a, a low end wide receiver one week with a high end wide receiver two week. I'm kind of betting on the latter. Uh, mid wide receiver two is where I have him ranked right now. I, I don't think his upside is there because of Cooper Rush, but there's no reason to think he can't produce. And Gabe Davis is one of my favorites. I know I always, we always talk about having Gabe Davis in that low, what's it called? Mid to low uh, wide receiver two range. That's kind of where I have him right, right here. It, he's coming off an injury, his ankle injury. We're not sure how he's going to look coming off that if he's 100%. But he didn't get very many targets to begin with. He's a big play threat, and that's what you're starting him for each week. He's great as a wide receiver three. He can be a wide receiver two. Um, I like him more as a wide receiver three this week just because um, his uh, floor. But his ceiling is definitely up in this range. I like it to be a high-scoring game between the Bills and the Dolphins. Gabriel Davis should be a good pick. All right, let's see. Moving on, we got Brandon Cooks. We're going to kind of just roll through a few of these. Brandon Cooks, he's been that floor guy. You know, I was a big Brandon Cooks guy heading in the, into the season. All offseason, I've been, you know, pounding the table on Brandon Cooks saying that this is the guy. This is the year that he actually comes through and produces. And he's just been, you know, he's been all right. He's been a floor guy. His ceiling is not there. Davis Mills has been, has been serviceable. He has not been good. And the Texas offense overall has not been very high scoring. It's odd. To say that Brandon Cooks, you know, hasn't played, hasn't um, produced the way we want him to because this is a Texans offense. But I think his ceiling is still up there. You just need to get him the targets and he needs to get the um, production up. Davis Mills has not looked bad. It's not completely discouraging what we've seen from Brandon Cooks. But he's been the floor guy and I'd like him to kind of continue that trend. He's a safe, safe, safe wide receiver too. Um, but his wide receiver one upside has kind of been capped because the Texans offense has not been there. DJ Moore at 22, you know, it's it's tough because DJ Moore is a guy that a lot of people had picked out to be their breakout guy um, this season. Finally, with Baker Mayfield, you know, arguably the best quarterback that he's had in his career, unfortunately for DJ Moore. But um, the production just hasn't been there. He gotten He's gotten six targets in back-to-back weeks. He did get into the end zone last week, but... He's going up against a tough Saints defense this week. So it, it's one of those guys where you want to temper expectations a little bit this week. Um, you know, Robbie Anderson was working alongside him, but he didn't get the same target share. He didn't look the same as he did in week one um, or week two. So we're looking at DJ Moore. He is a wide receiver one on the Panthers, but Christian McCaffrey, he's also running a bunch of routes. You know, it's hard to imagine DJ Moore in this offense as it stands right now. It's looking like more of the same. Unless DJ Moore scoring touchdowns, his upside is really capped. And that's what you're kind of getting with a lot of guys in this range. Just like Rashad Bateman, who we have ranked at 23. You know, he's relied on two big touchdowns to get his production this year. But um, there's no reason to think that can't continue because that's just the nature of the Ravens offense. Lamar Jackson has been a highlight reel so far in 2022. And he's certainly earned some money on his next contract. But Rashad Bateman... As his wide as his wide receiver one should continue to produce to produce and have a, a decent floor each week. I like Rashad Bateman as a low end wide receiver too. And then rounding out the low end wide receiver two, we have DK Metcalf. You know, I think this is the week that he actually produces. <laughs> and it's funny to think 
it's funny to say that because, you know, the first two weeks, you know, DK Metcalf, he's a fantastic talent, just an absolute freak of an athlete. But um, Metcalf, he has he has everything that you need in a receiver to be just a game-breaking receiver except the quarterback. And that's the way it's been. The Seahawks offense has not been very good. But they do have a decent matchup this week, the Seahawks. They're playing against – who is it? Seattle is playing against Atlanta. Seattle's at against Atlanta at home, which is a good matchup because these are two teams that have been pretty rough so far, and their defenses are not very good. So I, I would expect DK Metcalf to kind of capitalize on his first decent, pretty good matchup this week against Atlanta. It could be high scoring because these are two very cl- close teams in terms of talent, I think. And the way that they play, they'll be fine. I like DK Metcalf this week. He he should get in the end zone. Terry McLaurin, 25. You know, and Washington's receivers have been a toss-up. And it's difficult to rank them because they've all seen very similar usage. And they've been in two very high-scoring games where they've been stuck in negative or, or neutral game scripts. So it's really difficult to anticipate whether or not this is going to be a throwing team like they've been these first two weeks. But Terry McLaurin um, is clearly the top wide receiver in terms of talent. He just hasn't gotten the workload uh, that we want him to. That's kind of what we why we have him floating around this wide receiver two, wide receiver three range, along with Curtis Samuel at 29. Very similar uh, usage. Uh, they both produce each week. They both have a chance to get in the end zone every week with Carson Wentz a quarterback. Um, I wouldn't start any of these guys with confidence, but you know, you know, you do know that they have the upside to show up and make a difference each week. Allen Robinson at 26. You know, we finally saw usage from him that we kind of wanted to see uh, compared to last week, uh, week one, where he got, was it two targets? It might have been two targets. But Allen Robinson is at 26. Um, he looked much better this week, and there's no reason to think that he doesn't get that kind of usage once again. And I kind of compared his usage um, this season to the beginning of the last season for Robert Woods when he was on the Rams where it took a few weeks for him to get uh, revved up and up to speed with the offense and utilized the same way, at least compared to with Cooper Cup there. Juju Smith-Schuster at 27. You know, it was a quiet week last week in what a lot of people thought was going to be a high-scoring game. But now they're going against Indianapolis, who has just been abysmal. So Juju Smith-Schuster should get plenty of looks. He should be much more productive this week than last week. I like Juju Smith-Schuster as a mid-wide receiver three with high – um, wide receiver, wide receiver three upside, low wide receiver two upside. Amari Cooper, I had ranked at 28 and he actually, you know, showed up. We talked about him. He looked really good and we might be able to rely on him long-term. This could be a sell high point after two good weeks. We're not sure how this offense is going to continue to look, but Amari Cooper, you know, if you've had him in the past two weeks, uh, you're happy with the production that you're getting. And we talked about Curtis Samuel, who we have at 29 and Garrett Wilson shows up in the top 30 just because last week, was his breakout week. Two touchdowns. And with Joe Flacco, a quarterback, there's no reason to think that he's not going to get the targets that he needs to produce for fantasy football. Garrett Wilson at 30 is a pretty good ranking for him. Um, Not too high, not too low. All right, we'll move into the tight end rankings. We got Travis Kelsey at one. (laughs) Any surprise here? No. Patrick Mahomes quarterback. Matchup is fantastic against Indianapolis, who has just been all out of sorts on both sides of the ball. This is a, a easy rank one. 
Kyle Pitts at two might surprise a lot of people, but again, this, like I said, the Seahawks and the Falcons are very similar. They're both pretty bad teams, and both teams' offenses should be able to have uh, good success against the defenses of each other. Uh, Kyle Pitts, I think he should finally show up and not have two receptions for 19 yards like he's had the past two weeks, oddly, consistently. The one thing you can't knock Kyle Pitts for at this point in the season is he's consistent. He he has consistently scored very low points, 3.9, two weeks in a row. So I like Kyle Pitts against the Seahawks to finally get right and flash some of that value, flash some of that production that some of um fancy owners, his fancy owners are hoping to see or were hoping to see when they drafted him relatively high in drafts. Mark Andrews at three. This is a New England defense that's pretty stingy and it is in New England. But, um, you know, there's no reason to think that Lamar won't key in on Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews has a very, very high floor, especially at the tight end position. And his upside is there if he can get in the end zone once or twice. Definitely like Mark Andrews there. And compared to Darren Waller, who we have at four, you know, Darren Waller has uh, he, he has plenty of talent. You know, he's in a decent offense but he is competing with Devontae Adams. I think that's going to kind of cap him this week. I think a lot of work's going to go to the Titan against the Titans going to go to the receivers, especially if Hunter Renfro plays. Uh, I like Mark Andrews over Darren Waller. Dallas Goddard at five, you know, he's playing against Washington. And like I said, I think AJ Brown's going to have a big game, but there's no reason that Dallas Goddard can't compliment him in the past game. Jalen Hurts obviously likes to throw to him. He's been solid as a tight end. He hasn't, had the upside, and he hasn't been a letdown in either of the first two weeks. And that's kind of what you drafted him for. You know, you got him in that mid-round range with guys like Zach Ertz. And it looks like that's going to be his MO this season. If Dallas Goddard gets into the end zone, he's going to have a tight end one week. If he doesn't, he's a safe tight end too. Um, with tight end one upside, I think he's going to have that uh, this week. I, I like Dallas Goddard. Zach Ertz at six. You know, he's one of the one of two targets, really. Um, outside of the outside of Marquise Brown, it's him and Marquise Brown in Arizona for Kyler Murray to throw to. And there's no reason to think that he won't produce very similar situation. To Dallas Goddard, where he doesn't have like tight end one upside, but he doesn't have a floor that's going to leave you hanging out to dry week to week. So I like Zach Ertz, especially against <clears throat> the division rival Rams. He should get plenty of work. Gerald Everett's a guy you might not expect to see on here still, you know, but his first few weeks have really been impressive. I think his athletic ability has shown Justin Herbert has keyed in on him, especially with Keenan Allen being out. As long as Keenan Allen's out, which he could be this week, you know, Gerald Everett's going to continue to produce. I think having him at seven is a good ranking. His upside is there. He scored consistently in the the mid-teens range fantasy points so far these first two weeks. And I expect that to continue, especially with a good matchup against Jaguars. Uh, there should be lots of touchdowns to go around for the Chargers. So, And as long as Justin Herbert's a quarterback, there should be a lot of touchdowns to go around. No reason to think Gerald Herbert can't get his hands on one. I have him at seven. And George Kittle, you know, I ranked him at eight. I didn't want to put him too high or too low because he is coming off that injury. We're not even sure if he's going to, pl- going to play, but things are trending in a good direction this week compared to when they were trending in a bad direction last week. He's had plenty of rest. And reportedly, he's looked good in practice these uh, past few days. He practiced yesterday, and he should be practicing today. Barring any setbacks, I do expect George Kittle to play. He might not be 100% if he does play, but I do like him to produce over a bunch of other guys like Tyler Higby and Dawson Knox that we have ranked at 9 and 10, respectively. Um, 
Kittle has plenty of value there. Nine, I have Tyler Higby. You know, we were wondering if the 11 target performance in week one was a fluke. And to an extent, it was a fluke. You know, we're not expecting him to get 11 targets every week. But he kept his targets up in week two, Tyler Higby did. And there's no reason to think, you know, that it won't continue. This is probably going to be a high-scoring game between the Rams and the Cardinals. Um, Matthew Stafford's going to be distributing the ball very well outside of Cooper Cup. I, I like Tyler Higby, you know, um, more than a lot of other analysts do. Just because the volume is there, he's running plenty of routes. And as long as he's getting the looks, you're going to beat guys that are like Albert O, who got, was it two targets? And he was held catchless. Yeah, like guys like Albert Okawebanam aren't going to get anywhere near the usage of Tyler Higby. And even if Tyler Higby isn't making the most of all of his targets, even Tyler Higby isn't getting the most, making the most of the yards after the catch once he does catch the ball, he's still going to have a solid floor for fantasy because of his target share. I, I like Tyler Higby, especially as a tight end one this week because they're playing the Cardinals. Dawson Knox at 10, you know, he had a quiet week last week and he's kind of been quiet, you know, this whole season. We were expecting a lot more, but it doesn't help that he's operating alongside Stefan Diggs and Gabe Davis this week. Um, Josh Allen does like to throw to him though. You know, any offense with Josh Allen, the tight end is going to be relevant. Um, any pass catcher is going, has, is going to have the chance to be relevant. I like Dawson Knox as a low tight end one. He has the upside to be a good tight end one. But right now, he just needs to get the looks, and he can capitalize on that. David Njoku at 11. So this one I definitely didn't really see coming, the 23-point performance. Uh, last last night, he had a huge game. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy. Uh, Zach, to go. I like, like that comment. We'd love to see it. It's my first go at a podcast solo, So, and it's a rankings it's a rankings debate. So these are just my rankings, and I don't want to – you know, throw anybody too far off with them. But this is what I, this is how I think it's going to go. I appreciate the comment big time. Um, David Njoku, like I said, didn't see the game coming that he had last night. A huge game. Uh, like we said, kind of brought to fruition what Faraz and I were talking about for a while about how his usage was there, how he's running the routes. He just needed production. It finally came together last night, especially with, um, in a good offensive showing for the Browns. Uh, the offense does not look like it's being held down, even with Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. So there's no reason to think David Njoku can't continue to have weeks like that. Um, I, I liked him at 11. I think I'm going to be moving him up in rankings next week. He may have pushed his way into the mid tight end one territory. TJ Hawkinson has been a no show for pretty much the entire 2022 season so far. Uh, Amon St. Brown is working there. DeAndre Swift is there. The quality of the weapons around him may be contributing to that. But even ever since uh, Jared Goff got into Detroit, he hasn't really looked TJ Hawkinson's way. So I'm not really turned on to him being a huge like boon at tight end for any team. I, I like him as a low tight end one at best. I think he's a tight end two this week. I haven't ranked a little bit higher just because you know, rankings could go anyway. Um, tight ends at this point, you're kind of just picking, picking at straws and hoping that you get a good one. Uh, Hawkinson, I don't have very much faith in his workload. Uh, I don't think Jared Goff likes to throw to him, but his talent is there. If it's a high scoring game, like I anticipated being against the Vikings, um, he could definitely catch a few sideways touchdowns, uh, uh, catch a sideways touchdown, something like that. Logan Thomas at 13. He had a touchdown last week. We didn't hear much about him. Um, 
He was coming off the injury from last season, and he looked pretty good. Uh, it was a lot of offensive production for Washington, a lot of garbage time for Washington last week. So he might not have the same upside as he did last week. He might not have the same type of performance as he did last week, but he does have the chance to get some more targets on this offense. I, I like Logan Thomas there. Pat Frymuth at 14. You know, I, ha- I had him pretty low. You know, I kind of factored the weather into the game that the passing game wouldn't be very good and that the fact that the Steelers' offense was not very good to begin with, and that's what had him fall to 14. And it kind of came together. You know, it looks like my ranking was pretty accurate. It was He's relatively low for where, you know, we, we've seen his target share be. I, I thought that the weather would contribute to, you know, him not producing very well and the Steelers' offense just in general not being very good. Um I didn't expect, however, for him to not get a target till the fourth quarter. We talked about that a little bit earlier in the Thursday Night Football recap. Uh, I like Pat Frymuth moving moving forward. I'm not too concerned about it, but it was just an off week for Pat Frymuth. Um, You know, you can still start him every week as a low-end tight end one um, until further notice. Hayden Hurst at 15. People were probably expecting a bigger performance out of him against the Cowboys last week, but it never came. It didn't come to fruition. And they're playing the Jets. Uh, it's a good matchup, but Hayden Hurst, you know, he's he's caught some, you know, ancillary targets. He, he hasn't been hyper-targeted, uh, but he does have the opportunity to have big weeks every week just because Joe Burrow's quarterback and the Browns off, not Browns, the Bengals offense should be getting back to doing Bengals things against the Jets this week. Tyler Conklin at 16 kind of lends its, this ranking at Tyler Conklin at 16 kind of lends itself to the idea that you know, Joe Flacco is going to be throwing uh, 50 passes a game. And if there's 50 passes going out every game, there's going to be plenty of receptions to go around. And that makes him a huge value in PPR. If you pick him up on this waiver wire, you should be set up for another good week as long as Joe Flacco's quarterback. Not sure how much production we're going to see once Zach Wilson's back. It's going to be a very different offense. But as long as Joe Flacco's taking three-step drops and just chucking it, Tyler Conklin has a chance to be relevant. There's no reason to think that he can't be relevant. I have him ranked at 16. Mid-tight end, too. And if he gets in the end zone, only good things. Evan Ingram at 17. He's kind of carved out a niche for himself in the Jaguars offense. Um, The Jaguars, they did go, in my mind, quality over quantity in free agency this year. But Evan Ingram, you know, he was one of the guys that I I kind of had wrote off. And he actually looks pretty good. He looks like he's someone that Trevor Lawrence is looking for. He got a good amount of targets last week, and he actually produced relatively well with what he got. He got eight targets, seven catches, 46 yards last week. And against the Chargers, I figure the Jaguars are going to be doing a lot of throwing. So he could be in line for a similar workload. I like sliding Evan Ingram in as my tight end if I'm in a bad spot. My current tight end got injured, or if you just need to stream someone you didn't draft well at tight end, Evan Ingram could save the day, at least for this week. Irv Smith looked good. I have him at 18. He looked pretty good. He finally got into the end zone, and he looked a little close to what we've been expecting the past few past few years, actually, with Irv Smith. He's been everyone's breakout candidate, and it just hasn't come together for injuries or whatever other reason, working by Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Um, he finally showed us that he can produce. We just need to we just need to have it happen more consistently. I think Irv Smith has upside that we're really chasing at this point, you know, when we're ranking uh, these low-end tight ends. Uh, he has the upside. We're shooting for upside each week. Uh, Irv Smith, 18, good ranking. 
Alberto, I was much higher on Alberto heading into the season, but after these next two weeks, it's just he hasn't looked like a part of a of the offense that's going to be involved, even if things get better for the Broncos offense, since they haven't been very good, you know, so far. Um, Alberto, he just seems to be kind of on on the fringe. They have a bunch of these other guys behind him getting time that you know you really wouldn't expect to see from um the, the Broncos, especially with all the hype that was surrounding Alberto this offseason. Uh I'm not confident starting Alberto, but the upside is there just because Russell Wilson is quarterback. One of these days the Broncos offense is going to get it right. And if he could be a part of that, you know, then there's no reason that he can't produce, especially if he's your your backup tight end or a tight end that you're streaming. And then Hunter Henry at 20, you know, the Patriots offense, it, it, it's interesting because there's plenty of volume for passes going around, but there's not many touchdowns to go around. If you watched um, the Patriots game last week, it was against the Steelers. It was a bit of a slog. So uh, Hunter Henry, he didn't catch a pass last week, but he should have a much better bounce back week this week. He's going to be playing against uh, who did I play against? I had it right here. You could be playing against the Ravens. Um, you know, if they're if the Patriots end up playing from behind, which they very mel- very well may against the Ravens, you know, Hunter Henry's a big body target. If they get in the red zone, uh, we've seen what Hunter Henry can do. His upside is there. And like I said, that's what you're shooting for at this point. If you're grabbing tight ends off the waiver wire or if you're streaming tight ends, that's what you're looking for. That about wraps it up for today's episode, talking about wide receiver tight end rankings. Any other questions you have, just kind of send them my way. Appreciate you guys being here, listening to this episode. Uh, Faraz will be back. It's been a bit, a bit of a crazy week. You know, Faraz will be back next week. We'll be back on our regularly scheduled, regularly scheduled program. Faraz will be back next week, so you can look forward to that. Uh, in the meantime, you know, good luck this weekend, all you guys' fantasy teams. We got a lot of good games on Sunday, and you know, we'll, we'll be back Monday with a recap from those games, and we, we look we. We hope you'll tune in then. So it was a good time today. You know, had an interesting day on the podcast myself for solo. I hope you guys enjoyed it and we will see you guys later.